Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as Pretty Ugly and the Hotel series. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes Dibs, Since September, Move on Melinda, and Climb the Salmon Ladder. Joining us today is USA Today bestselling author, literary agent, overall amazing woman, Paula Mounier, <laughs> here to talk about her new book, The Wedding Plot, her new book and pretty much books in general, publishing in general. Welcome, Paula. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always a thrill to see you both again. Oh, thank you so much. So, Paula, we were, before we went live, we were saying that it's been two years since we've had you. So, we were doing a little catch up before this. Uh, tell our viewers and our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your new book in the Mercy Car series, The Wedding Plot. I feel like there's a glare on it. <laughs> Okay, well, you know, I write the Mercy Car series, which is about Mercy Car, who is a vet home from Afghanistan. She was wounded in battle. In the same battle, her fiance died, and he was a dog handler, and his dog's name was Elvis. And he told her, you know, take care of my dog. So she comes home to Vermont. She's got this dog, doesn't like her. She's not happy. He's not happy. Everybody's mourning the death of their mission and the death of their man. And so eventually they form a bond and they team up with the local game warden and his search and rescue dog, Bear, and they serve, they solve crimes in the wilderness. So the wedding plot is number four and it takes place at a wedding because weddings can be murder. And it was a lot of fun to write. <laughs> Yes, they can. And it's so funny because Jen and I, we, we always talk about books. And as I was starting to read, it, I'm like, you know, I have alternate titles for this. And she's like, well, well, what? I'm like, I want it to be the goat cam murders or the goat cheese murders. And like, I know. like that's not the appropriate title, Allison. I'm like, that's why I'm not allowed to name books because I'm I know oh, I was thinking murder. the goat cheese murders too. And I'm like, just put the cheese right on the cover. No, no, no I, I know audience, but Hey, we like goats and we like goat cheese. <laughs> Well, Crime Reads asked me to write something when the book came out, which it came out in July last month. And I did a whole article on cheesy murder because cheese takes place in so many murders. And there are actually, believe it or not, there are two cheese shop mystery series. I mean, I did not know that. Series. Yes, there's cheese wow. everywhere. Yeah. So uh, and, well, I, and I ate a lot of cheese. No. I didn't know that was such a niche that we're like looking for cheese related murder. People love their cheese. All right. They do. I'm one of them. Yeah. The reason why I can never be a vegan. Exactly. Well, same, but I just, I didn't really think that there was a connection between I liked it. Like, you said right. there were two series that oh, are cheese shop murders. Right. And there's all other kinds of cheese. There's cheese maker series. There's cheese mm -hmm. seller series. There's all kinds of cheese. And in my favorite is one of the murder, um, Midsummer Murders episodes, which... They kill a big roll of cheese, kills somebody, and then a wire, cheese wire kills somebody. And every possible way cheese can kill somebody is in that. Besides just like having really high cholesterol. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm the slow death. 
I'm having flashbacks of the I Love Lucy episode where she tries to smuggle the cheese back as the baby because she doesn't want to pay for it. And then she realizes she can't. And then they have to like eat the cheese. It's really messy. And it's true because cheese is the most illegally stolen, you know, sold on the black market of any food type is cheese. Cheese is used in money laundering because it falls off the truck and, you know, it's easy to sell and it's easy to, to, it's portable. So cheese has a lot of criminal associations that you would never, never really know. About. Now, how did you realize that cheese had all of these criminal associations? Were you just mid pandemic eating a cheese platter, drinking some wine and thought, this is going to kill me? Oh, well, you know, I wonder if it ever does kill people and went to Google. <laughs> well, of course, I did eat a lot of cheese. I'd be lying if I said I didn't eat a lot of cheese during the pandemic. But partly I was writing a book. You know, I was writing this book and I and I wanted my editor had said to me because I, I write each new book is in a different season because I want to take advantage of our beautiful New England seasons. Right. And I had just done, you know, sort of. Um, fall, winter, winter, spring. And my editor said, no more snow, no more snow. So I said, okay. <laughs> You're like, but this is where we live. It's oh, always yeah. snow. In the <laughs> snow. Yeah. Well, snow and ice are just so dramatic, right? Yeah. Um, but so are you going to write a mud season book? Where? Well, well uh, yes. Book three is kind of a mud season book. Um, I mean, so, there's uh, rain in this one. So, I mean, you got the yeah, season yeah. going. Yes, yes. And so I thought, okay, if, if it's going to be, the next season would be June, right? And June is wedding season in Vermont. And and so I was working on this book and I thought, you know, I was watching a lot of, you know, goat videos. I, I'm a sucker for a good goat video. And they have all these goat cams. And so that's when I discovered <laughs> goat cams at, at, you know, these goat farms where they make goat cheese. And, and of course, Vermont has a lot of artisanal cheeses, just like New Hampshire does, right? New England has a lot of dairies and a lot of artisanal cheeses. So it was a, a fun way to do something fun. I try to put something of New England in every book, um, either an industry, whether it's the cottage, you know, the cheese cottage industry, or also I try to put in an endangered species as well. So I try to look for those things. So when I started watching those goat camps, I thought, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> You know, now I now I can actually write off the, the you know my goat cam obsession. It's, it's yeah, it's research. research. It's not just you know. I think during the pandemic we all would like do those things like doom scrolling or like mm-hmm. just I just watch kitten videos for six hours straight. No. Uh, but if you can just sit there and watch goat cam videos and be like, it's research. Nope, right. this is writing. It counts as writing. It's not troublesome when it's research. And I just want to put it out there. If anyone involved in nefarious activities needs to dispose of some product, and by product, I mean cheese, I will eat it. I will throw myself on oh, the cheese yeah. grenade and take any contraband chef. I would like to be involved in cheese laundering. Me too. <laughs> Can, we're just throwing see, that out. Let's manifest that in the universe. That, that and the fact that because of the pandemic, our local Trader Joe's no longer has had the samples and there were always oh. cheese samples. And I'm just going... Okay, can we call the pandemic over now so we can bring back the cheese samples? Because now I'm just buying random stuff and I don't know if I like it. I, I like all of it, so it's probably all right. But I like to be able to shop and get myself my little cheesy cracker and be like, I'm shopping. See, this sure. is... research we haven't brought it back yet i'm very sad so paula when you were watching goat cam videos did you what was the most interesting thing you saw 
Did you ever see anything dark and twisted? Did you see a murder? No. I mean, these are mostly, I mean, a lot of the videos take place at kidding season. So you have all these little baby goats running around. What's interesting about goats is that I really, really want a goat now, not just the cheese, but I want the goat because goats are so cute and they're friendly. They're kind of the perfect combination between cats and dogs. They're curious, they're sociable, but they hate getting wet, which is why um, in, in the barns, they have all these like, yeah, they're all elevated. They have ramps and they have, you know, sort of, sort of like the cat things used to people buy mm-hmm. for the cats, right? It's the same thing only for, for um, goats. So I just sort of fell in love with goats. My husband's like drawing the line at three rescue dogs <laughs> and a cat. But no, I, you need a rescue goat. I need a rescue goat. A house There's goat. No- and we just got back from Palm Desert for our vacation and the they had the living desert out there, which is a really lovely it's it's a zoo more or less, but it has a lot of rescue stuff. And they had several kinds of goats out there, and everybody except for my eldest daughter went in and loved these goats. And one of the goats was trying to eat through the gate because it's wood. And I didn't know goats were just like, Yeah, I'm just eating that. And going, Well, will we have to replace it yeah, eventually? Because he's just chewing on that. Right. But they were so loving and so sweet. And one of the kinds of goats there apparently was usually used for meat. And I'm going, Oh, no, you're oh. clearly a pet goat. And the kind of goat I need is one that you do both shave to make sweaters and get cheese from and i don't think there is such a goat that is this magical animal so oh. genetic engineers get on that make me a sweater cheese goat a sweater cheese goat while you're That's cheese cool. laundering in your spare time yes yeah um, not a biologist yeah uh so have you paula you do yoga i've i yes. see your i know you and i've seen your yoga pictures and i'm always you like oh, look at yoga? yeah have you done goat yoga i haven't done goat yoga oh you, you know, have to I know in New Hampshire is supposedly the, you know, the home of goat yoga. Yes. So I haven't done it. I I've done it. it. Is it, it is, good? It's well, it's not good yoga, but it really <laughs> is good goats. Yes. Um, it's amazing because little baby goats, they want to be high up. as right. humanly possible. So they right. have no problem jumping on your back. Anytime you're in a pose, <laughs> climbing on your head. Okay. But um, how does that feel with their little hooves? Cause it doesn't sound uh, like a really powerful massage. Yeah. Like you are getting, punched in the back with little fists i do that all the time his name's rafferty <laughs> yeah yeah it would feel like that. To do that. Well, I, I will do, say I my do, i do yoga with the dogs but i have big dogs so <laughs> what they're good for is leverage you know and okay. they're not good for you know they're not if they jump on me i you know i die so I yeah, I say they're not good for your spine <laughs> not good. you don't have lap dogs <laughs> Yeah, like I will. You, Tubby, and Tubby you is yeah, he's a, a good lap dog, and he helps with yoga and stuff. Like he'll Does like he help? well help. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's helping. He, yeah, he thinks he's helping. He's not helping. So we know you did goat research. Yes. Um, there is a very swanky hotel in the wedding plot. Yes, and is I know this is based like that as research because I think. <laughs> I want to write a wedding book now and stay someplace fancy and get to play research. Well, I never got to go to this fancy schmancy place because of the pandemic, but I had a great time. I, I know, but I had a great time researching it. And of course, Vermont has a lot of great destination resorts. And so this is kind of a combination between the Woodstock Inn, like the old beautiful place in Woodstock, Vermont, and tw- a place called Twin Farms which is a very, very, very high-end, luxurious resort 
It's it's remote. It's, it's close to Woodstock, but it's kind of tucked away. And it's been rated by Forbes, the most luxurious boutique hotel in the world. Can we get them to sponsor this episode, maybe? Yes. And I'm just suggesting as possible. It's, you know, That's it's like they're one of these, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a night places. It's the kind of place that doesn't have doesn't have a menu because they just write down what you like and they create a menu just for you. And they have a twenty thousand bottle wine cellar and they have their own mountain and their own lake and you know, all that. It's it's very, very swank and they have a lot of fantastic art. So I had a great time sort of merging the two and so Mercy's grandmother she she was getting married in a nice place there. Very that's, nice place. Yes, that's a nice thing. Yes. Yeah. The I just wanna, well, and I just wanted to clarify. You said something earlier, and my brain went to the wrong word. You, you mentioned Mercy is a vet. She's a yeah. veteran. There are also veterinarians in there. Yeah. Yeah. Like wrong kind of vet, but my brain automatically went to the kind that is a veterinarian, and there are veterinarians in this book as well. Yes. But yes, well, she Mercy. <laughs> Mercy was an MP in the army and, and she came, she fought in Afghanistan. She came home. Her grandmother is a veterinarian. So yes, it can be confusing vets and vets, but <laughs> I love them both. So they're both in my books. Well, and I, I also cracked up because, so Jen was displaying how she read the book. I had it, I got it on audible because I don't have time to look at words without children talking in my ear. And what was really funny is the first review that popped up said, so much Buddhism, and I laughed so hard at that because <laughs> okay, so how one terrible! Of the but clearly, the person had a little bit of a bias, mostly because there's also a priest who's sitting around priesting at people, and he's Catholic. So I was just curious, like, what? How much Buddhism is too much? Any Buddhism? Probably for this guy, probably any Buddhism. But I loved the cast of characters. That's why I brought it up. Because you have this this huge cast of characters on families on both sides as people are getting in and sitting down and talking. And that's the best part of weddings is the drama of everybody else who is right. invited or not invited. And then what are they doing? And oh boy. How many people are real? I remember that I remember that review and I thought, well. The, the character is a Buddhist, right? So of course, and, and how it, dare he? It, it informs how dare his he? life, right? And it informs the plot. And yes. the priest is Catholic, yes. of course, and he his faith also informs the plot. So, right. but the, the review didn't mention the priest. They were only like, "There's Buddhism in this book." And so when I started, I was like, "Oh, there's so I new age." Yeah, yeah, I was. Like, like Buddhism on every and and it was and not that it was hardly in there, but when it was, it was intentional. Right, right. And I'm just going. Well, That's you know, an amazing you, reveal. You never <laughs> know what people are going to say. It's very interesting, but but it is a wedding, and when you have a wedding, you you bring people from all over, from two different families very different backgrounds and that's different generations. Kind of yeah i mean at my first wedding I, i've had you know more than one my first wedding <laughs> too. There were, we're, we're, my family was catholic there were 10 catholics and 100 jews and we got married at the indianapolis hebrew uh, you know indianapolis hebrew synagogue you know and and it, it was funny because this was not this was a long time ago back in the 70s and a lot of my you know sort of catholic indiana relatives had never met a jewish person you know and a lot of god knows a lot of the jewish people had never met any hoosiers so it was like <laughs> a real meeting right and i that's what i think is so wonderful about a wedding is that you bring all these different kinds of people together and it's certainly wonderful as a writer because the melodrama of a wedding is just 
you know, it, yeah, right, tensions are like, high. <laughs> I wanted to wear, um, and again, the pandemic made me gain too much weight to actually wear anything. I was going to try to find like a bridesmaid dress to like sit here in a <laughs> bridesmaid dress. Because I was like, oh, I don't have any goat cheese and I don't um, have a goat. So what I else actually, could I wear? I Okay. I don't currently own any bridesmaids dresses, but the dress I wore for my sister's wedding is what I wore for our two-year Vox anniversary. So that was kind of a bridesmaid's dress because I was <laughs> in the wedding as a reader. But it doesn't really look like a bridesmaid's dress. And it doesn't have something really large and fluffy. I got to pick it out myself. So it's not nearly as atrocious as a bridesmaid's dress could right. and should be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I once was in a in a wedding where it was all green tulle. Oh. And taffeta. Yes, it was kind of a, a nightmare, um, kind of a dress. But <laughs> and you know, that marriage didn't last. I don't blame the dress, but you know <laughs> the dress cursed it. Um <laughs> I was I was a bridesmaid once and the dresses were also green, but they were nice green. Um but it was to a New Hampshire flower fortune, like a flower shop fortune type of family. Um, so really the wedding was like an excuse for flowers. <laughs> yeah. Our bouquets, my like bridesmaid bouquet was 30 pounds. The bride was a, a tall, beautiful woman and her bouquet was like close to 50. She was like, I can barely hold it. Okay, so did there she do were. the pass off where she had to have the bride, like the maid of honor usually holds the bride's mm -hmm. bouquet, and yep. then would she just fall over with just all it the was like 80 pounds of flowers together? It was a lot of flowers. And there were trees shipped in. It was just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, sure. but that's that's a bit excessive. It was it was what it was. It, it was the <laughs> fanciest wedding I've ever been a part of, including my own weddings. Like <laughs> That's that's amazing. I love it. But whoever had allergies probably just died that day too. I did not feel well. All the, all the pollen would just knock out everyone. I can't do this. Incredible. But you know, there, nobody nobody had pollen related issues in the book that Paula wrote. Other people had issues even before the wedding day because people started dying. That's kind of a problem. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, it really is a bummer on a book, wedding. Yes, just yeah. as. Just as a, yes, as well, a yeah. I mean, that was fun. I mean, I I like to get things moving, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. as an agent, I will tell you, you know, if, if you're a client of mine and you're writing crime fiction, Paula's looking know, directly at me. Right right right. <laughs> you don't know. Where's the dead body? You know, get us, especially if it's a mystery. You know, and and people will come to me and say, well, you know, I wrote a mystery without a dead body, without a murder. I'm like, but it's a murder mystery. You know, you so what kind of, have, can you write a mystery that isn't a murder mystery? Are there other are there other other subgenres I can't talk of mysteries that don't involve corpses? There are, but but murder mysteries. I mean, and, and you know, like, but why bother? <laughs> right, because it's about stakes, and the yeah. more that's at stake, the more invested the reader is. Right, so you know, life and death is the biggest stake of all. So it's, you have to have that thread at least. And, it, and if you're writing a murder mystery, you have to have a murder, you know, and preferably two. So you can get through act two. You need another body. <laughs> More bodies pile up. <laughs> well, and then there's also the other big stakes you often will get are things like a kidnapped child or somebody who's being right. held 
And so the stakes are a little different because you're not solving something that's already happened, but you're stopping and or preventing the murder because you're like, time's ticking down. And what if we don't have the handoff for the ransom? No, ah, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, no goats were held hostage during this, which I just want to assure all your readers. That oh, no goodness. I would never, I mean, I would never ever hurt an animal. In I, I know. Paula will kill two to three people a book. <laughs> But the animals are always safe. Susie Bear's fine. I found myself during this book, uh, because it is the fourth book, but again, it had it's only been about two years since it, in their world. Because I was like, how old is Susie Bear now? Oh, She's we a big in- dog. Oh, no. I literally was just like, that long. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out how old the dogs were. And then I'm like, pay attention to the plot, Jennifer. Pay attention to the plot. Well, oh, that's, that's why kind of, Susie's even bigger. Susie's yeah. a puffball. Susie Bear is a Newfoundland retriever yeah. mix. And she's Which inspired by our own rescue dog, Bear. Um, and and then um, Elvis is a Malinois, like our pandemic puppy was a Malinois. So we finally got our own Malinois, who's lovely and fierce and, you know, it just... Is. Yes, just yes, big ears and just focused, you know, really intense dog. Uh, but does your know, third dog have a, a counterpart in your books, or does your third <laughs> dog just like she's the queen of the May? She, you know, she just ignores everyone. Um, she's a great Pyrenees Aussie Shepherd mix, and she's truly beautiful, but she's truly uninterested in most things. So <laughs> she just like play around. You know, she's she's not uh, a very highly motivated dog. But, but she's in uh, the second book. Okay. The second Just want to so, make sure she got a little representation. Yes, here. Everybody gets in the books, you know, sooner or later. But, you know, the, the reason I wrote them season by season is that, you know, I'm, the wedding plot is book four. So it's only a year. It's only been oh, a year. Really and, and it's not just so the dogs don't age too quickly. It's so the people don't the age, <laughs> age too quickly. Well, and it, and it is funny because like making sure all the dogs are included. Uh, the, the first book that I had that that sadly died on sub, it featured a little girl in the book. And that is based loosely on my eldest daughter. And I made the mistake of letting her know that she was in it because then my next daughter's like, what about me? And I'm like, Oops. well, <laughs> and then I actually, as it was, I had, I had reworked the ending and now she's in it too. So let's yeah. just not bring it up to my son because I'm not going to say, but that's only two of your kids. There's no I wrote a, a, a dog memoir called fixing Freddie, a true story about a, a boy, a, a mom and a very, very bad beagle. And, and I wrote <laughs> it about when my, my eld, my youngest, had this beagle from hell. It was just the worst dog ever. And I was struggling as a single mom to handle the kid and to handle the dog. And I had to learn to be leader of the pack and all this. So, and, and my middle child came back and lived with us during that time. So my sons were in the book because they were in that part of that slice of my life. They were living there. And my daughter was not in the book much because she's, you know, off in Europe doing whatever, <laughs> doing whatever she's living this great life. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, you know, I'm not hardly in the book at all, mom. I said, well, you know, you... <laughs> You were there helping with the beagle. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I, I'm never going to get over it. I'm never, you know, no. going to, I'm always going to be in trouble for that. And then, of course, my youngest son is like, why am I in the book? I said, I offered everybody the chance. If you ever write a memoir, you have to give it to everybody in your family first and yeah. say, okay, any objections, speak now. Oh. And I just, That's why you have to wait until everybody's dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> which doesn't work if some of them are younger than you. No. You can't wait for them yeah. to die off. You're like, uh, oh, this isn't gonna work. 
Well, it's funny because my villain, my ex-husband was kind of the villain in that book. <laughs> I like that you were, you said villain first. The yes. villain and I mean, yes. my, I mean my ex. And, and if you fast forward 10 years, we got back together again and remarried. I was going to say, was it in the book or in real life? <laughs> because he, because he supported the book and he was oh. very fair about the book. Because, you know, believe me, everybody on Facebook's like, hey, what'd you think of the book? You know, and he, he went, he read it and everywhere he appeared, he put a post-it note. <laughs> and then he, then, and he then you discussed it on your first date, your first <laughs> re-date. <laughs> well, that we, is hilarious. Yeah, but, it, but in, in a way it became, it became the, you know, the, the kickstarting of our, our relationship again, because he supported the I book and he was that. very kind. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, my ex-husband might appear in one of my books, but it is not meant to kickstart because he's definitely not so much a villain so much as a motivation uh, ex already. A and motivation that, ex. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not hes not a villain. He's just someone who's baggage from the past. Let's just leave it that. And no, he has not reached out to me to say anything. And I, is he still alive? I don't care. I don't know. It's all good. <laughs> but I do. I didn't he hasn't reached out to you and said, wow, you wrote a book that made you turn to Adam Driver after me. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. That was just called an upgrade. But I did laugh, though, because my sister was like, hmm, so some of these people seem to be based on real people. Am I in your next book? And I'm like, mm, maybe. And she's like, what's my name? And I told her, she's like, all right. And I made sure. And she was afterwards, she's like, I wasn't in the book enough. I'm like, look, I upgraded you. I made you like a doctor. Uh, everything about you is just beautiful in here. So if you have any complaints, just no more complaints. <laughs> This is why it's good to write about dogs because they can't voice their. They can't get <laughs> mad at you. I mean, they dogs can't. Mind. And, and honestly, most of the time, unless you're writing a memoir where you know you name names, um, <laughs> most of the time in fiction, people don't recognize themselves. No, see, and yeah. and I did have one where there is a woman who's like she is a wedding coordinator, and she she's like, I really like this character. I think she should be in it more. I'm like, I'm glad you like that, because she knew it was her. But again, it was just physical descriptions and things right. like that, and I'm going, yeah, you're, you're not a major character, but I'm loving that you liked getting to be in the book. Good for you. Well, and that's the glory of crime fiction. You know, Sue Grafton killed off her first husband, her ex-husband in her first book, and you can, you can, you can get revenge, you know, nobody knows for you, but it's really sweet to kill off your, you know, people who betrayed you or, you know, do whatever you need to do, right? Yes. <laughs> Many times it's catharsis dictates. Yes. yes. That's better. We're good now. Moving on. I love that. So um, I know the answer to this because I went to your book signing at Gibson's. Somebody asked you who your favorite character was in the wedding plot. And I wanted to ask that because I know the answer to this and I love the answer to this. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not sure what I said. You said I, I can tell Did you. I say you said. Bodhi? No, but Bodhi. Oh, was my, Bodhi? Okay. You said, Bodhi's a good character. Well, well, who did I say? You said the colonel. Oh, the colonel, of course, of course, yes. I was right, and you were right. The colonel was my favorite. <laughs> You're like, hot Bodhi? Did I say hot Bodhi? <laughs> yes. Well, Bodhi was my editor's favorite character. Okay, I can see I that. Bodhi. And, yeah. and when, I, when, he, when he met Bodhi on the page, he, he called me and said, we need to see more of him, work him into the rest of the book. Because <laughs> he, was, he was intended to be a sort of walk-on, you know. 
Oh, you know, not not a, a deep character for the book. And so my editor said, no, 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 you, you need to weave him through the whole book. But yes, my favorite character in the book is is the colonel because the colonel is in effect my father who died while right before I was in the process of writing the book. My father died, and he was a colonel, and he was very, very much like. The colonel in this book and it was my way of solve every problem with just a phone call (laughs) i like that yeah who was that kind of guy you know and dad died we still don't know what the hell he did during the cold war he wouldn't tell us i mean he he had all these secrets all these secret missions and and we knew he was a war hero in vietnam we knew that because there were some things he would talk about that you know Mm -hmm. the army actually acknowledged and there was all this stuff nobody talked about and so you know he was just such a fabulous guy and a real presence in my life. And so when he died, it kind of took me by surprise. And um, it was really hard. And I didn't think I could write. I couldn't do anything. Honestly, I was grieving so much. So um, it, it allowed me to move forward with the book and to honor him and to process my grief. So I would. So the, was the colonel not in like earlier drafts or no. earlier ideas of it? No. Oh, okay. no. I had I have no intention of putting him in the book, but I thought, well, you know, and then I thought I just started to write about him to process my feelings. And I thought, you know, he, it's a wedding. All these family members be there. Up. Yeah. And, and and it can be anybody because, you know, weddings, you see people you haven't seen in years at mm-hmm. weddings. And so I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity. I can just write him into the book. He's such a great character. And I think he would have gotten such a kick out of it. And I loved his relationship with the priest too. Like how yes, I feel like any time of the day or night in this book, like these two are at the bar doing something. Playing Scrabble. Playing well, Scrabble, you know, that was based on my father too, because uh, we were Catholic and my father, wherever he went, he would, you know, he would meet the army chaplains mm-hmm. and, we, and the Catholic army chaplains always came home for dinner. Always. And so there were lots of priests in my life as a child, but they were all army priests. So like one was a paratrooper. I mean, they were, they were not your average priests, you know, um, they, they were soldiers and priests. So they were very interesting. One went to, to jump school with my dad. I mean, it, and that was another fun thing to do. That's why the, they were, I, I put them both in the book because to me, you know, here's dad and here's this priest friend and they would do stuff together. And so, and they had missions together. Again, no, nobody knows what they did. That's it. Well, I was just curious, was the priest then based on any particular priest that you met that came back a lot or was he kind of an amalgamation of all of them? Yeah. I mean, he was based kind of, I mean, there was one priest, the paratrooper priest, his mm-hmm. name was Father Bob. I don't know whatever happened to Father Bob, but Father Bob, he became a paratrooper, so he could jump into any war zone in Vietnam, and and you know pray for the troops and pray with the troops. He That's was amazing. fearless. Yeah, he was a fearless guy, and and so I made this priest is kind of fearless in his way. He's kind of bookish, so also so. Um, um, another one of the priests that dad brought home, Father Pat, he was very bookish. And another was Father George, who just recently died. He was very old and very wonderful, but he was very, he was an intellectual. He was a Jesuit. So he was very intellectual. So oh, yes. was a combination of these three priests that my dad would bring home for dinner and were family friends. I love that. I See, love most that. of us, we, we hear army priests and we all just go, Father Mulcahy from MASH, because that's all most of us, because we didn't get priests like at the dinner table. So oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Thought, yes. but I, I wasn't picturing Father Mulcahy at all. I was picturing more of a Jesuit based on the intellectual aspect of it. Right. And right. and you have you have a lot going on in this book as far as, yes, there's, there's goats and there's a wedding. And then there's other things about 
different secret missions and possibly recovering artifacts and things like that. So I, I'm picturing this guy, the kind who's sliding relics of priests, like, don't mention these finger bones, just little, our little secret here, pass the frog, get him through. Cause you know what else is illegal to pass around bones? You can't just pass around bones. Cheese right, not right. bones now. Yeah. Neither are okay. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because my, my editor finally said to me, I had to promise never to read, not to read Smith's Smithsonian Magazine while I was writing a book because because whatever I read in Smithsonian Magazine, I you know oh I read this whole thing about artifacts and you know I thought oh I'll put some artifacts in the book. I mean I'm, I'm so impressionable in the actual <laughs> writing of the book because I'll, I'll take anything and everything that comes my way I'll you know I'll say oh that would be good that would be good because you're always looking for new inspiration. Hey, no, yeah. she should be the one paying for your your subscription there. That's a good thing. I, I say encourage that. I mean, would you would she rather have you reading that or people every week? Does she want you? Yeah, to it could be much yeah. worse. Yeah. Why was Ben Affleck in this book? Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad it wasn't. Oh, it's a redux of yet another Benefer wedding. And we don't need that. I'm like looking at my Twitter and they're telling me on one hand, all the stuff that's going on politically and the health crisis in the world with COVID coming back. And then, oh, also, did you hear about J-Lo's wedding dress? I don't care. But a lot of people do. So yay for Smithsonian. <laughs> Bring yes. on more. Well, I read very wildly and, and you know, crazily. So I, I, all kinds of stuff, you know, like today I read something about, um, well, I was this whole thing about wood turtles and then, and then J-Lo's, you know, green engagement. Wait, wood turtles? Yes, wood turtle. I don't know a wood turtle. I saw pictures today of a snapping turtle taken on a duck, and I didn't need to see it. I click on, you know, the things they say, you shouldn't see these pictures. They're disturbing. That's the first thing I click yeah, on. Yeah, I click on that right away. Eating other animals. <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? I don't know. I didn't need to see that because then I'm like looking down, looking for pythons. I'm in Southern California. There are no pythons here, but I'm like looking under my desk, just making sure. Yeah, well, you I'm never fine. know about the pythons because look at Florida has a terrible python problem. Not Florida has a lot of problems, Paula. It's Florida. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. It, it does. I use. I pythons are the least of Florida's problems. I <laughs> but, but I have a friend who just moved from California. He moved to Florida, and I thought, well, you know. I wasn't sure why he did that. And the first picture he shows us is there's this nine foot snake in his pool. And I'm like, okay. No. And the next picture he shows us on Facebook is there's an alligator in his backyard. I'm like, you know, no. this is why they need to be fenced off. Yeah, like, this this is one of those places. Although I did like the one, it was viral for a while about the guy who got a, I don't know where he was. I'm assuming it was Florida, but he was, he managed to trap an alligator in a trash can. It was like chasing it around with the trash can and then got it closed. And that guy, he was fearless, but he got, he got it taken care of. And I don't mind seeing that. Cause I'm like, yes, you got that. We did have a mountain lion in our neighborhood. Like Ooh, yes. sometime during the pandemic, there's nowhere for a mountain lion to where by the freeway. Where did the mountain lion come? Came down the five and took the carpool lane with other mountain lions. Are they trying to well, you know, national That's why they're going to build. They're going to build that crossway across um, the highways in LA so that the mountain lions can and other animals can go back and can forth. Can get to the hills. And that's good. But how did they get to Orange? I mean, I'm not near LA. That's just it. How did they? Get I think one of the puppets, the one of the animatronic puppets from Disneyland, came to life. And wandered into okay. your neighborhood. Okay, but I've never seen an animal. Okay, there's a Yeti in Matterhorn, and there's <laughs> goats. So we're back to goats on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. It all right, comes full Animatron circle. It's very line. Buddhist. There aren't. There aren't. <laughs> too much Buddhism, Jen. <laughs> Namaste. That's good. Someone's going to comment. There was too much Buddhism in this. Episode. Too much Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> they talked about yoga. They talked about. There were priests involved. There were priests. Um, I there know. Was 
this episode is not okay for the lactose intolerant because we talked about cheese. I'm very sorry. Mm-hmm. I yeah. listen oh. not eating the cheese. Aren't you proud Triggers. of me that I'm not eating online for once? Yeah. I feel like I was expecting you to eat. Okay, the only cheese I have right now are some slices of cheddar and the little laughing cow wedges. I don't have any yeah. chevre, which is kind of unusual because I usually do, but <laughs> chevre's good. Sorry. It's so good. Like my kids won't eat it. And I go, what is wrong with you? They they don't like the texture because it's not a hard cheese. Because it's not like in a plastic wrapper. That's good. No, no. Bronwyn will good. eat my middle will eat a thing of feta. She'll just eat it out of the bowl. Yeah. I don't but think it's, how it's that it's different. Good for you to have tastes that your children don't share because then it's always there if you want it. Otherwise they they're like, you know, locusts. They go, my boys come home and you know, they eat everything there is to eat. So mm-hmm. mine too, mine too. But then they don't eat the things that I buy them to eat. And then one of mine, when I was, when I was trying to do the pre-vacation, do not look like a potato in a bathing suit thing. And I was trying to eat a little better. I had gotten some better for me brownies and my middle just plowed through them. She's like, they're good for me. Cause I'm like, no, they were for mommy. These were not for <laughs> Mommy goes, needs good for me brownies. No, mommy, mommy wants to not have to just have photos from here up and everything. It doesn't work. And I want more brownies. You're gorgeous. I know all the brownie talk. Um, so <laughs> we know you've just recently signed a, another two book contract. So the Mercy Car series is going to continue at least until book six. Yeah. So it means we're heading into fall for your yes. next book. We is this are. going to be a back to school murder or a foliage? <laughs> a foliage. That's a good massacre? idea. Okay, I'm saving that for the next time fall runs around. No, actually, it's going to be. I haven't done a Halloween murder. Oh, I was going to say the so, maple syrup murders. Maple syrup so, yeah, murders. Yeah, so I get, do, <laughs> I get to do. Um, I get to do ghosts and witches and haunted houses and yes, all the fun stuff. You know, it's, it's not supernatural mystery. But I can use all those elements, you know, which is fun. And New um, England has so many different weird folk tales, and oh, every place yeah. is haunted here because it's all like old and weird. And like your house, like yes. my house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, my, my house, my house is two hundred and sixty years old, and I didn't think it was haunted, but I'm I'm beginning to have um, second thoughts about that. So. What does the ghost that lives with you have to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I've been know, here this whole time. Chop yeah. liver. Yeah. Really? Well, I'm finally noticing the ghost in the house, but um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's fun to write about. It's a lot of fun to write about. And we have a lot of weird, you know, we have a lot of sort of tortured history in, in parts of New England, too, which oh, yeah. are fun to draw upon. And of course, we have torture the Salem or actual witch. torture. No, well, I mean, the whole like the Salem witch trials and the whole. No, witch actual torture. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, believe it or not, I am like a, I am related to one of the women who was accused of being witched in the Salem witch trial. <gasps> I love Wait, this. Was she burned or did she get off? By no, no, she was. I saw Goody Proctor with the devil. She was, she was accused of being a wild, uh, she was accused by another one of my relatives, God help us, another one of my relatives. This explains so much. <laughs> as, yes, as appearing a, as a blue boar in her backyard. So a boar? Like a, a pig, like a pig. Yes, yes. So you know, you know that was a big thing with with the witch accusations that they yeah, appear. Yes, as they appear as the any number animals. of wild animals. Right, right, there exactly. was a moose in my yard the other day. I'm sure it was a witch. Uh, yes, exactly. But the, what's interesting is that she didn't die. My, Mary Bradbury was her name. She didn't die because her. It was toward the end. The people getting sick of all the hangings. Uh, um, not. Yes, and her husband was a rich sea captain who supposedly paid off the guards. She went to go to a job sea captain i like it yeah. but if you go to the salem witch museum her name is on the wall 
You need to take a selfie with that. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because when we lived in, we actually lived in Salem for a while. And that's when I found out all this. And my, my youngest was about 10 and he had a, a stepmother who shall remain nameless. And she at the time, and she used to call me, make the joke about his mother being a witch from Salem because we lived in Salem. And I said, <laughs> and yeah. And so like, actually, I, yes. yes and so when we found this out, I said, oh, here, so he did a report on the witches of Salem and our, our family tree. And I said, see, now next time she calls your mother a witch from Salem, you can say, yes, she is. So you better, <laughs> you better watch out. <laughs> Her power goes back hundreds of years. <laughs> exactly. See, and I don't think I have any of that in my history. I just have drama in my history of my mother being in the crucible in high school. So like that was what she used Ooh. to show me in her yearbook. So that's the reason I knew as a very small child what the witch trials were. But it was like a good thing because it was my mom's high school theater. Like, yeah, ah! in New England, you just like, like they bring you to the witch museum in second grade for like a school trip. Yeah, yeah SoCal. <laughs> and you like come back like mm-hmm. haunted by that. Like, no, we get, we get the gold rush and nothing. Nothing like the witches. I don't think they even brought that up until sometime in high school. But I was like, oh, yeah, I know about this. My mom. <laughs> what? Like, I feel like I'm- it was a way to, like, teach young girls to just, like, be quiet. Like, shh. <laughs> well, well, yes. Not too long yes. ago. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, uh, today. Hello. Today. <laughs> I know. Not too long ago. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> today on Twitter, I saw trending. Oh, and we're back to this again. Yeah, it hasn't hasn't really changed that much like the fact that we're still writing feminist fiction to address things that have been going on for hundreds of years yeah gives us something to write about i guess because it's not getting fixed yeah well that's like one thing i really like about your books paula is that you do have this strong kick-ass female lead in mercy like she's you know she's yes there's a bit of romance but it doesn't define her she's just She's kicking ass and taking dogs. <laughs> not, she, not her man. She, she, you know, she served in the military. She was a military policewoman. She went to war. She's a warrior at heart. I mean, and, and you know, she's come home and like a lot of veterans, she's having trouble, you know, making that transition from military to civilian life. Yeah. And I, I grew up in the military. My father's in the military. So I saw that transition and I saw a lot of, people, including my father, struggle with that transition. So yeah. the early books, that's what she's doing. She's trying to find her place in the civilian world, as is Elvis, her dog, because he's a bomb-sniffing dog, and he needs work to do, too. So that's, you know, now that the, we're a little farther along in the series, you know, she's beginning to find herself now and mm-hmm. and figure out a way to live in the civilian world and be just as happy, because I think a lot of military you know they they miss that sense of mission they miss, miss that sense of esprit yeah. de corps and they're looking to you know to find that in the civilian world and it's not easy well and i do love that so here's here's mercy and there are times when everybody's grabbing for a weapon and she's like i got my dog and i'm like that's my kind of weapon i have a large dog let's let's be armed with a canine on one side and she's yeah. she's ready to go but i do love that Mercy will do basically anything to avoid going to law school, including going off. <laughs> and as a I thought you would like that. Appreciate that. I love that. It's like, so your parents want you to go to law school. Have you considered just enlisting? Bye. Better choice. I mean, nothing against lawyers. Still, I love lawyers. I have a lot of clients who are lawyers. I know a lot of writers who are lawyers. I hardly know any lawyers who like being lawyers, they almost all want to be writers. So, so yes, <laughs> that's, that's Allison. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
See, and that's and that's funny because I know that I had a friend who they didn't even practice. They basically finished law school. I don't even know if they took the bar and then just went ahead and started writing. And somebody said, yeah, they want to know what you write about in order to just skip law school entirely and do that. But it's not for everybody. And there are amazing lawyers out there and there's some not yes. so amazing lawyers out there. And I've worked with both kinds. So there you go. <laughs> loads of yeah. fun. But I, I do love that everyone's everyone's dealing with murders and all this. And all Mercy's mother cares about is her getting her hair taken care of. Yeah, and I was picturing uh, her with Jen hair all the time. I was going to say, really red hair, really and I'm red like, hair. I'm like, mercy, mercy no matter what you do, your hair is not going to be smooth for that wedding. <laughs> but, oh, I know that that was fun to write because you know <laughs> she does have this hair that doesn't cooperate, and her mother. I just is- kept thinking it's June in New England. The humidity alone yeah. means yeah. even if her hair is done, it is going to be fuzzy. Right. By the time people are saying I do. She's going to look like Susie Bear. Just be done. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I love writing. I love Mercy's mother. I love Grace. And she's one of my favorite characters, too, because she reminds me so much. I mean, my mother is the loveliest woman ever, but she was very much like Grace in terms of, and still is, in terms of her expectations for grooming and manners and, you know, what she considers to be appropriate behavior and the appropriate behavior for a woman, all those things. And she was, my mother is, you know, she's 87 years old. She's still chic. It's just, you know, she's still chicer than I am. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, she always (laughs) will be. So I had this, this, you know, I grew up with this sort of Jackie Onassis type tall, slender, brunette mom with the sheet clothes and the whole thing. And I could never, ever be. And so I put all that into grace and that same sort of thing, you know, where, where I know that no matter what I wear, my mother, you know, will look at me and say, I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's so funny. (laughs) Well, Paula, you always look amazing. And every time I compliment your outfits, you're always like, it's Betsy Johnson. It's Betsy Johnson. (laughs) It's like, like, uh, and that's I every time I think of Betsy Johnson, I think of you and your like cool glasses. Oh, I love there Betsy was somebody Johnson. in the book who had Betsy Johnson too. So there was a Betsy Johnson oh, yes. character yep. was wearing Betsy Johnson. She was. She was she was my that was my, you know, my homage to Betsy Johnson in that character because you know, Betsy Johnson, you can wear some really wild clothes of yeah. Betsy Johnson. Well, wait, Betsy it wasn't Gracie was wearing it, was it? Yeah. No, no, it was the, it was Aunt Verity, the was, sister. Okay, Grace, Aunt Verity who was born in the bed. I'm like, I don't think Grace was wearing the Betsy Johnson. No, no, no. Grace Grace's sister, and they don't get along, of course. The, so. I will just call Verity the, the pot stirrer for yeah. lots of reasons. I really liked Verity. I'm like, this is what a wedding needs. <laughs> yes. Verity's the crazy awesome. long lost sister who comes in wearing like a tutu and like something ridiculous. And you're like, yep, that's what I want. There she is. Drinking like, tons of margaritas. Your goals is to be the Betsy Johnson wearing tutu martini swilling. Exactly. I love the picture of margaritas. Betsy Johnson just celebrated her 80th birthday and <sighs> she still dresses just like Verity. <laughs> I, didn't realize she, I didn't realize she was that old. Like in my what? head, she, she can't mm. be that old because she's so young in spirit. Exactly. But considering she was, she's been around my entire life and was an adult as long as I remember. At some point, she yeah. does have to age too. I don't know how numbers work that way, but <laughs> math is hard. I know, but it's also the relative thing of, in my head, people who are older than me, but when I catch up, they don't necessarily move. So it's like, no, my my dad can't be that old. He's probably in his forties. Wait a second, I'm in my forties. Hold on, something doesn't add up here. Yeah, math. 
So Paula, your next book is Halloweenish. Is it going to be out next summer? Next fall. Ish? Next and fall. Over. Okay, yes. perfect, perfect. Exactly. Halloween. So I'm writing, very busy writing it now. You know, great right. fun to research witches and ghosts and haunted houses all over New England and visit them all. Visit yeah. them all. You can visit my haunted house. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm very research. Yeah, I'm very excited. It's it's been a lot of fun to do because really research is what saves me because I was a reporter early on and and when I get stuck I just do research. You know, so I like it. It's a fun part. Well, Paula, thank you so much for being here with us today and talking a, a little bit about your book and a lot about goats <laughs> and, <laughs> and about everything in between. You've been thank spectacular you, as always. Thank you, Allison, for being the best box wellness vixen I could ask for. <laughs> Everyone who is not the only one I've got, the only one I need. Um, well, thank, thank you, you so to much for having me. Oh, so much fun. You are welcome. Everyone who is listening to this either live or on the replay, stay tuned next week when we have Lily Chu, author of the Audible Sensation book, mm -hmm. The Comeback. Fun. That's Come great. So we will see you all next week. Bye.